lead. Mick Dittman is squeezing through on naturalism's emanations there with heroicity. And here comes Viander Cross. Viander Cross down the outside is motoring home. Naturalism the leader. Viander Cross inch by inch is wearing him down. Naturalism still in front. He ran out near the line, but Naturalism wins at a half length to Viander Cross in a bumping finish. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and the High Gang Group. Ticket sales got underway on Friday the 1st of July in the 2022 Kosciuszko sweepstakes. Your opportunity to share in the $1.3 million prize money on offer for the world's richest race for country train gallopers. New South Wales residents can purchase $5 sweepstakes tickets via the TAB app, local pubs and clubs, TAB agencies and at New South Wales race meetings. 14 winning tickets will be drawn on the 8th of September with each winner then selecting a New South Wales country or ACT trained horse to race in their slot once they've agreed with the horse's owner group as to how they will share prize money for the race. Ticket sales will close at 11.59pm on Wednesday the 7th of September 2022. The much-anticipated The Kosciuszko Sweepstakes Draw will take place on Thursday the 8th of September and will be broadcast live on Sky Thoroughbred Central and RacingNewSouthWales.com.au. A regular browse through the results of Southern District's race meetings reveals a very consistent win rate for Canberra trainer Norm Gardner. In the last few months, he's been in the winner's circle at Canberra, Wagga, Albury, Maruya, Sapphire Coast and Queen Beanne. His winners come from the team of 20 horses he prepares at Thoroughbred Park on Canberra Racecourse. There are times when he has the opportunity to build the team, but 20 is his stabling capacity and he's one of those old-fashioned trainers who likes to know everything there is to know about every one of his horses. Norm was a keen pony club participant during childhood days and had developed an interest in racehorses by early teens. He was a regular at the Wagga stables of Fred Shadle after school and soon learned to ride track work. Too heavy to be a professional jockey, he secured a licence to ride at the picnics, winning 30 races in five years and loving every minute of it. He left racing for a decade and worked as a plumber, much to the delight of his mother Kathleen. But like so many before him, Norm drifted back into the racing game in the mid-1990s. For the last 25 years, he's enjoyed a consistent level of success as a thoroughbred trainer. He even dabbled in the ownership of a couple of harness horses who won 23 races between them. Norm Gardner's story is a very interesting one and I'm (coughs) delighted he's agreed to share it with us on the podcast. Thanks for your time, Norm. Great to catch up. No problem, John. Great to talk to you. Well, you've been popping up everywhere in the first half of the year. I notice one of your team, Keep It Down, has won three races, Queenbean, Albury, Wagga. She's a rising five-year-old mare, Norm. It's hard to win three races anywhere. It is, John, and she's a funny little mare. As a two-year-old, she showed us a lot of ability, but never really put it onto the racetrack. Uh, it's only been the last couple of preps, probably with a bit of maturity, mm. uh, that she's um, uh, produced what we know she could. 
Mm. You raced her with your wife, Diane. That's right, yeah. Yeah, we uh, we bred her. We, we, we tend to uh, breed quite a few and try to syndicate them out, but mm. she was pretty unfashionably bred and no one was really interested in her, so we um, we just raced her ourselves. Mm. Can she win another three over time? I don't know about another three, John, but there's another one in, I'm sure. We'll look at your current team a little later, Norm, but I wanted to talk to you about uh, the life of a horse trainer in a Canberra winter. There'd be few colder places in this country. It is very cold, John, very cold. Like, we get down into the, you know, the minus fives and sixes, um, but when you get a cold, frosty day like that, you end up with a um, with a really nice day out of it, so it's mm. not too bad. I, I'm one that really doesn't like the heat, so um, uh, the cold doesn't really worry me that much. Yeah. Kevin Sweeney was a faithful track work rider at Canberra for many years, leading up to his retirement, and he was stable jockey for Keith Dryden, as you'd well know, late in his career. Keith told me once, you knew it was cold at Canberra racetrack early morning when Kevin Sweeney came off the track with ice clinging to his eyebrows. <laughs> that's, that's probably right. I must admit, uh, I don't think Kev really came to grips with the cold of Canberra, mm. <laughs> but uh, he stuck around for a long time and he actually rode my first winner, Kevin Sweeney. Yeah, a great old jockey. Went on, I think, into his early 60s and his service to racing in, in your part of the world, Norm, was just immeasurable. It was, and he's he's been a stalwart for a long time. I don't think Kev's in the best of health at the moment, but um, mm-hmm. but he still works part time at the track on the um, the hut at the crossing where the horses go onto the track. So mm. he's still involved with Thoroughbred Park to this day. Norm, I should give him a ring uh, about the possibility of a podcast. He'd have a few stories to tell. He would have a thousand stories, John. He would be a great uh, great person to talk to. I'll give him a call. <laughs> Well, you've got 16 boxes at Thoroughbred Park with access to another four nearby. Now, you live out of town at a place called Baiwong on a 40-acre property with a catchy name. What do you call the place? Well, Belmini Park or Summerhill Thoroughbreds. Summerhill, yep. Yep, Summerhill Thoroughbreds, that's the place. And we're very original, John. It's on Summerhill Road. So we didn't have to put a lot of thought into that. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do with the place, Norm? How do you use it? Just for the horses. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got uh, divided into a dozen paddocks, and it's just for the brood mares and the spellers. That's that's what we use it for. Mm. You've culled your brood mare band in recent times, I believe. Yeah, we've got I've got six mares there now, um, but I'll, I'll probably cut down to just using two a year because um, it just gets too much and too expensive. Mm. But um, we've kept them some nice omnivisible mares there, so hopefully we're going to be a success. You tell me Diane is the boss lady at Summerhill Thoroughbreds. What's Di's role there? She looks after all the spellers and the horses. Uh, she feeds them morning and night and uh, looks after them. I tend to have more to do with them at the track. Mm. Uh, when they're out there, they're sort of in her domain. You grew up in Wagga where your dad, Tom, always had a few horses around him, including a harness horse or two. Did your dad actually train? Did he have a licence? 
He did train John, but it was before I can remember. Uh, I was very, very young. But um, that would have been back in, the, in, in probably then in the 50s, you know. Mm. But uh, I can't remember. But I was told he did drive, yes. Mm. You set your heart on becoming a jockey from the moment you started riding track work for Fred Shadle. But you knew even then your weight was going to make that an impossible dream. I'm talking about the professional riding ranks. So you went to see the SDRA stewards about an amateur licence and it was a lot easier than you expected. Yeah, when I look back on it now, I can't believe exactly what unfolded because I said to Fred Shadle when I was riding track work, I was about 15 mm. and a half, and I said, uh, Fred, I wouldn't mind being an amateur riding in the picnics. He said, oh, you've got to be 16 to do that. So mm. I thought, oh, well, that's it. So when I turned 16, I just went down and to the stewards who were in a stately old house in Gerwood Street mm. in Wagga, and I walked up to the secretary and I said, could I see the steward, please? And she just took me in. Yeah. And I sat down, and I think his name was O'Donnell, and uh, mm. he said, what can I do for you, son? And I said, Mr O'Donnell, I want to be an amateur rider, I want to ride in the picnics. Mm. And he said, what experience do you have? And I said, I've been riding track work, Fred Shadow for 12 months. Mm. And he said, how old are you? I said, 16. Mm. And John, he reached into his drawer, he pulled out a small blue cardboard folder, signed it and said, there you go, son, good luck. <laughs> oh, gee, that I is, couldn't believe it. Oh, that is a good story. I bet that didn't happen too often. You caught him in a uh, good mood on a good day. Must have done. Must have. And John, I'd never even been in a set of barriers. Yeah. All I done was right for but you couldn't do that these days. Obviously now, no. you do trials, everything. But it was just incredible how easy it was. Mm. You competed at Riverina tracks only, uh, which greatly restricted your number of rides. So to ride thirty winners in that five-year stretch was more than respectable. What was your riding weight at the picnics in that era? Oh, I could ride the minimum, which was uh, sixty kilos. Mm. Yeah, so I had no problems riding at that. Which, when I first started, it was uh, stones, but uh, as I got on a bit, uh, the kilos came in. Mm. Well, was it a case of bringing yourself under notice by riding a few winners and slowly gaining a clientele? Was it a slow start? Look, it wasn't, it wasn't, John. Back in those days, um, a lot of the amateur riders like Lyle O'Neill and Barry Cox, their brothers and fathers and uncles were all trainers, mm. so they were getting the rides with them where I sort of had no one. Mm. I had to ride a lot of track work and work really, really hard. Um, and I used to go with Ronnie Steiner to the picnics without a ride and just take some gear with me in case someone couldn't make the weight or didn't turn up or whatever. Because in those days, you put the riders on about an hour before the race. Mm. So um, I just picked up a ride one day and it won and it went from there. Yeah. I know you won a Wagga Picnic Cup on a horse called Super Sweet, and I think I read somewhere the other day you won Picnic Cups at places like Ardlethan, Cootamundra. You obviously did a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah. Well, I picked up a ride. Uh, Barry Cox couldn't make the weight one day at Ardlethan mm. in the Cup, and I picked up a ride on that, and it won. And mm. um, from there, it went to Cootamundra and won, and, and then uh, about... A few weeks later, I won the, the cup at Wagga. So things started to get a bit of a roll on then, you know? 
Yeah, so that was the career highlight, was it? The Wagga Picnic Cup. Super sweet was the horse. That's right. Yeah, that was that was John. And back in those days, the Wagga Picnics was a two-day carnival, two days, two weeks after the Wagga Cup carnival. Yeah. So there was big crowds there, and um, mm. uh, it was really, and as I said, it was two days, and uh, really was a great. Really, really enjoyed it at Wagga. Mm. Why did you stop after just five years? Well, I looked around. There wasn't a lot of people making a lot of money out of this, mm. and my mum was on me all the time to get away from the horses. So mm. um, I started the plumbing apprenticeship, yep. and I, after about three years of doing the plumbing apprenticeship and still riding, mm. it just got too much, John. Yeah. And when I looked around, there was more uh, plumbers with money than there was track work riders. Yeah. So I um, I decided to – Give the riding away and just concentrate on the on the plumbing side of things, uh, which I did. Norm Racing New South Wales in recent years has looked after the picnic industry to the extent that every race everywhere is now worth five thousand dollars, and the picnic championship final carries prize money of fifty thousand dollars. And in recent years, they've been running that final at a TAB meeting in the country areas. I think this year, in fact, I'm certain this year, early October, will be on Canamble Cup Day. You know, back in your day, you'd race for a bag of chaff and a bale of loosened hay, wouldn't you? Exactly right. And in those days, we were real amateurs as well. You know, I think now they're called, a, called approved riders mm. and they get... Uh, a certain amount of money, but uh, no, there was no money around then. And the only way that they got the money was from from the punt, you know. And yeah. um, uh, everything had done, everything was on the hush hush. You mm-hmm. couldn't see how good the horse was going, and that sort of thing. Um, so uh, things have most certainly changed mm-hmm. a lot. Getting back to your mother, Kathleen, she didn't like horses at all, did she? And <laughs> and she barely tolerated your involvement in racing. That's right. No, and she was terrified of them. And mm. all my there was eight eight kids in the family, and all the boys were into the horses. The two my two sisters probably weren't, but mm. and uh, yeah, she was really disappointed when I did get involved with the horses to the um, extent mm. I did. Mm. It was probably largely out of respect for her that you walked away from racing altogether, and you stayed away for ten years. Working That's as a right. plumber. That's right. That's mm. right. I um, I started my own business and moved to Canberra, mm. um, and um, yeah, it was at least ten years. I'd I'd been right away. From, I walked right away from it too, John. In that ten years, I, I could only talk about heard about Kingston Town, mm. Emancipation. Didn't know anything much about general day to day racing. Mm. Norm, for a bloke who's lived on a property for a number of years. I imagine that plumbing experience must have served you well. Oh, yeah, putting putting the water pipes in, yeah. fixing the broken water pipes. Yeah, um, it did. It came in tremendous help. I had to do my own um, irrigation and things like that. Um, mm. That's all done now, so I can just sit back for a while till the mm. water pipe bursts or a horse wrecks a trough or something like that. And Norm Gardner, plumber, swings into action again. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> well, finally, Norm, the bug bit again. 
you bought a young horse, you broke it in, you educated it, and finally the day came for its very first gallop. And yeah. disaster struck. Yeah, it snapped its back leg. Uh, oh, very first gallop, I couldn't believe it. Lovely filly. Mm. Um, and um, that wasn't the, the sort of start I really wanted to get off to, but it didn't, it didn't sway me away from it. I, um, I uh, leased another horse that that it actually trialled, mm. um, was called Sienna Storm, mm. and um, it was my first winner. It, uh, it won a second start. Right. I was training a Queanbeyan then. Yeah. I was training a Queanbeyan then, and uh, yeah, I say second start at Gold, but it won, and uh, Kevin Sweeney was the rider. Right. Now, that filly, Sienna Storm, was by John Murray, wasn't she? I mean, he was That's no right. he was no schnitzel or I am invincible, no. but he no. got plenty of winners. And I seem to recall, Norm, they were quick horses. They all had speed. Yeah, they were. She was a very, very fast mare. Um, and, um, yeah, I don't know much about him myself, but mm. they did tell me that he, he produced fast horses. Mm. Now, she in a storm had bled during a previous preparation with another trainer, but after you got her, she never bled again, and she gave you a terrific little kickstart. Oh, yeah, then she won um, She won another one at Wagga, which was a, a, a great thrill for me because that was my first winner back at Wagga. Mm. It was Australia Day. Uh, next start, she ran second at Randwick, uh, and then she hurt herself to start after that, and that was pretty much the finish of her. Mm. But you trained winners out of her, didn't you, in later years? She's, she's been a pivotal horse in your career. Oh, yeah, look, she 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 was. She, like, just about everything she produced won. Um, the mare called La Ventana won five or six. Mm. Um, Hurricane won seven, I think. And probably the best horse of them, and probably one of the best I ever trained was a horse called Woodstock, and he, mm. he won his first start at Wagga by about six lengths and chipped his knees, and that was pretty much – he never came back after that. But mm. So she's produced some really, really nice horses. You gained a connection with a man called Stephen Chung soon after. Now, Stephen lived in Canberra. His father, Tony, lived in Hong Kong, but he left all of his Australian horse interests to his son – now, is it true that they were the first owners to actually give you multiple horses to train? That's right. Before that, my brother Paddy Wagga looked after him and his mates took shares in horses and he sort of rounded up some owners and took some uh, shares in things like bread. Mm. But he was the first person to actually give me horses and say, you know, and uh, I think I had six or seven work for me at one stage mm. and uh, to actually buy a horse and, and give it to me to train. Now, one of those horses was Colosseo, who won six races. He ran 12 placings. He won about $293,000. You won the Wagga Cup with him in 2012 with Jeff Penzer on board, and he was placed in a couple of other cups, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, John. He ran second in the Albury Cup the following year. Mm-hmm. Um we protested and didn't get it, but uh, I thought we should have got the protest. And it mm. would have been interesting because I was told that he would have been the first horse, the only horse ever mm. to win the Wagga Cup, then the following year win the Aubrey Cup. Mm. It's been done the other way around, but apparently no horse has ever done it. And I was a bit disappointed we never got the protest, but mm. that's the way it is. 
Now, what about the Canberra Cup? Didn't he run a place in that too? He ran third, got beaten yeah. ahead, and the following year he mm. ran second, got beaten half ahead. Mm. So he was really good in that. He ran fourth in a Mannion Cup in Sydney twice. Yeah. Um, I think he ran fifth in the Civic Stakes or something. So mm. he was – the biggest problem with him, John, he was a back marker. And yeah. And always hard in your mouth stuff and always mm. not quite getting there. But uh, yeah. they needed the pace on those horses. You know what it's like. Yeah. Now, he had another problem too, didn't he, Coliseo? Terrible tie-up horse, terrible yeah. horse. Now, normal they horse were, people yeah. listening to us will be very interested in what you have to say about this because there's no more frustrating thing for a horse trainer than to have one tying up when least expected. Oh, that's right. And really no one knows what causes it uh, and no one really knows how to cure it. But uh, it is very, very frustrating, especially, you know, you're giving them their last gallop and I'll you know, tie up and you can't do much with them. And, he's very, and he was very bad for that. But we had to sort of try some different things with him. And mm. while we never stopped him from doing it, we knew how to firstly prevent it, if you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. You know, to put it in the simplest possible terms, tying up is a muscle contraction and it's much like human cramps. Very stressful for the horse. They can really panic when it hits them, and uh, it's stressful too for the trainer. How bad was Coliseo? Oh, he used to get that bad sometimes. He could hardly walk, mm. you know. Um, and we've, we finally, uh, the best way we found to stop him doing it was to swim him before we worked him. Mm. And um, luckily we had a pool of camber and did, he did some laps that horse. We'd swim him, we'd work him, we'd just put him back in his box, swim him in the afternoon mm. and just walk him to the track and walk him back, everything. And uh, that just seemed to do the trick with him, you know. Mm. One danger period for horses that tie up is when you bring them back from a spell. Have you noticed that? Like you're out of the paddock, you're back in work first or second day, and even after light exercise, they can suddenly tie up very early in the piece. Did you see that happen? Yeah, I did. I've seen it happen a lot with horses that aren't necessarily tie-up horses, but will do it a couple of times when they're back in from the paddock, then mm. they're not again, you know? Yeah. Um, but he was terrible. He just tied up at the top of the hat. Yeah, like, mm. uh, but we eventually got out of him, and uh, he went on to be all right. Yeah. Lur Cavalier was a very good horse for the stable. He won nine races all up. But have a listen to this. You you may have forgotten. He ran 25 or 26 placings. How would you like a stable full like that? One, oh. of the, one of his wins was at Canterbury with Blake Shin in the saddle. That's right. Blake Shin, he was a, a get-back horse, I mean, a long way back. Mm. Uh, he used to rattle home. And he ran so many seconds because he just didn't quite get there all the time. Yeah. But uh, Blake Shin went on him at uh, Wagga on Cup Day, and then the next year he went second on him, and then he won a Canterbury on him. Mm. Uh, but Blake seemed to have the knack of having him that pair were so closer yeah. than right back last, and he just seemed to be able to get him that little bit closer than some of the other riders, mm. and um, and he, he had great success on him. Yeah, wonderful jockey, wonderful horseman. He's on his way back from Hong Kong, Norm. You might be able to throw a ride his way. Uh, in oh, the very near future. <laughs> yeah, he's a great rider, Blake, uh, mm. and a great horseman too. He obviously grew up with the horses, and uh, he's a great rider. Atom Eve 
was one of I Am Invincible's very early crop and yep. was a bonnie mare whose career was cut short by knee problems. She only had ten starts. She won five and two of those wins were tab highways, ridden by Kayla Nisbet and Matthew Carl. Now, Norm, didn't that knee problem eventually uh, trigger a tendon strain? It did. It did. She had that knee problem virtually her whole life, and we to get three runs out of her. Well, she won the first three starts. Mm. Uh, she went Aubrey, she went Walker. I think she went a highway at Randwick as a three as a three year old. Mm. Um, then the knee went. Then we give her three months off. Got her back, and uh, she had a couple of placings, and then one, and back out again. So eventually, she I think she was getting off that knee and did a tendon, and that sort of. Um, that was the end of her career. Mm. Uh, have you had any other by I Am Invincible? Was she the only one? No, no. I, I used to have a, a sharing on with a breeding right to him. Yep. Um, another horse called Carruthers, who was a really nice big uh, horse. He won about three from uh, about seven or eight, but he mm. bled then and uh, mm. and went, went in the wind, so we never really saw the best of him. Mm. You're training Adam Eve's first foal. It's a rising two-year-old by Smart Missile. You've called her Destructive Diva. And you, you tell me she's a big, strong girl. She's a big, strong girl. And uh, like she's one of those horses that will just walk out the top of you. She's a bit of an arrogant sort of a filly. But uh, to ride and do anything around the track, she's very, very good. So mm. I think I've had a couple of Smart Missiles now, and they're all a little bit headstrong early, mm. and they just seem to get out of it later on. Mm. Now, Adam Eve didn't have the sweetest temperament either, did she? No, no. She 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 was cranky. She'd kick you. She'd, um, but she, um, uh, again, she was a, a very nice horse to ride, but just a bit hard to deal with on the ground. Mm. How long since you've been on one? Oh, <laughs> when I was a queenie, I rode a bit of track work, and that would have been 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're brushing 70, I think, Norm, according to my calculations. Yeah, next year. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Good on you. Now, what about the talented but unsound bootlegging who only lasted for 21 runs? He won four. He won a mile tab highway at Randwick at $71, thank you, with Cathy yep. O'Hara on board. That's right. He's had three runs. He, he was a good horse. He'd done, he'd done a suspensory before that. Uh, and he did a suspensory one run after the highway win. So mm. we didn't – he was a pretty big heavy horse by um, charge forward. Mm. And he, I think when the big heavy horses like that, a lot of weight in those front legs. But, mm. yeah, so he did two suspensories, I'm pretty sure, and he retired pretty early as well. You loved a mare called Caccini, a daughter of Nature Strip sire, Nakoni. She won six, including a tab highway. James Innes Jr. rode her that day. Is this the one you bought for a song as a weanling? Yes, John. I bought her down in Melbourne at that, I think it's the Great Southern. So I think I paid 3000 for her. Mm. Lovely little weanling. Um, John, she was an absolute delight, that mare. The most lovely mare. Um, we used to teach the young apprentices to ride pace work on her mm. when she was a two-year-old. Yeah. Um, she was just a, a delight to do anything with. But again, she had a, a, 
a knee problem later in life, had to retire. But um, mm. yeah, she um, yeah, she learned all the way in the highway. Ran second in another one. She ran third on a Saturday meeting at Rose Hill. So she was a lovely mare mm, for three thousand dollars. Yep, yep. Now here's she- one, Norm. What about Upper House, a rising uh- eight-year-old by Zariz? He's won ten. He's run thirteen placings. He won a tab highway at Rose Hill a while back with Diane Pania on board, and you tell me he's not finished yet. No, he's going. He's um, just about to trial next week. Actually, the old fella. He's mm. he's a he's a great old horse. Yeah, he he he, he um gave me a big thrill. He won that Ted Ryder Cup at Wagga, mm. and I used to know Ted pretty well when I was in the picnics. Only a young bloke. Um, mm. Ted used to take me to the races. Um, mm. Picked me up from home and take me to the races, so it was a big thrill to win that race. Um, mm. But he's a he's a, he's a terrific old horse, and uh, hopefully it'll be another a year or two out of him yet. Mm. Now you, we talked about temperament earlier with Adam Eve and Destructive Diva, and a couple of others. But what about this bloke early on? Uh, you told me once you've never had a more arrogant horse in your stable than Upper House in his early days. He was mad, John. Hmm. He was dead set mad. Um, and he, I remember he went to the – we sent him out to Aaron Clark. He had broken in, and Aaron come and called him because we couldn't catch him. Hmm. And he sent him – he said – he rang me up and he said, this horse is right to come back, but take him to the paddock. When you want, bring him back to me. Don't take him in there. He said, there's races at Canberra on Friday. Hmm. I'll bring him in for you. Anyway, we're at the race when we come back. And here's this thing in this box, mm-hmm. and we were too scared to go in there. He was running around the round circle. He was snorting at us and everything. Yeah. I, rang, I rang Aaron at the race and said, Aaron, come and get this all out of here for us and put it in my float. And he came up and he caught it, put it in the float, and uh, mm-hmm. he was just an absolute lunatic. Mm-hmm. But uh, came really – now he's the most kind, gentle horse. Yeah, so you, you can't dismiss them, can you? You've got to give them no. time. So he's given all that nonsense away. Oh, yeah, look, even into his uh, first real racing prep, he was good, you know, mm. good to handle, good to do anything with. His, his racing manners have always left a bit to be desired. He mm. can, the old pumpkin can go on occasionally, mm. but to do anything with now, he's really good. Yeah. When he won the uh, Tab Highway at Rose Hill, he got a fair way back in the field. He got a split between horses in the straight and he put them away pretty quickly, didn't he? He did. He can do that. If you can, if it, if you can ride him um, with a bit of cover, mm. um, he, he'll uh, really let down. And back in those days, we had earmuffs on him because yeah. he used to over race, and mm. that uh, that fixed that. But um, he doesn't need them anymore. So mm. he's, he's just a lovely horse around mm. the place now. He won't be easy to place from here on, will he? No, very difficult. Like he's a benchmark eighty or something now mm. so there's really either go to town which is probably a length or two below or wait for the open handicaps which there is not a lot of mm. well you say he's trialing next week when would we expect to see him at the races will he have a second trial he will mm. yeah he's a sort of horse i'd like to give him two at least two trials and first up over 1400 mm. um and uh, i would say he will probably be a month away yeah from, from a um, from a start. A race start, yeah. yeah. Good yeah. luck with him, Norm. You've shown great patience and perseverance. Yeah, well, he's another one because not very uh, fashionably bred. We sort of pretty much kept our, 
kept ourselves with uh, we gave Diane's mum a share in him for a birthday or something. Mm-hmm. So she's had a great thrill with him as well. Right. You've had associations with some outstanding regional jockeys. We mentioned one already, Kevin Sweeney. Brendan Ward has ridden a lot of winners for you. So has Kayla Nisbet and the amazing Matthew Carl, who's currently out with vertebrae fractures at the base of his neck. Matthew Carl has given tremendous service, Norm, not only to you, but many, many trainers in your region. Yes, John. He, uh, Matthew is, is a really great rider. And not only he's a great rider, he, he reads the race. He can talk to you about the race beforehand. He's a great horseman and he's a gentleman. Um, with all those things combined, I used I used to really love putting Matthew Carl on. Well, those other riders were really good riders. Brendan, Kale, I had a lot of luck with them, but I just think Matthew was probably uh, – I said to him once, I think he was an underachiever. He, he would have made it in Sydney as a young rider mm. if he had stuck at it. Yeah, never wanted to stay in Sydney. He actually spent part of his apprenticeship with the late Jack Denham, Norm. He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He said to me, I was there six months and never saw the sun. No, <laughs> couldn't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's, yeah, he's he a much-travelled jockey too. He lives in Cowra, but he was in the car more than he was on horseback. He was. He he would you know, travel right around that district, um, as you say, Canberra, Wagga, right out, right out west. Um, mm. And he'd you know, regularly three or four winners a meeting yeah. uh, for sure. I mentioned in the introduction that you had some success in the harness racing game. Now, your first involvement was a one-third share in a pretty handy horse called ACT, who won 12 races. The trainer-driver was Frank O'Sullivan at Canberra. I know Frank very well. He's, uh, he's one of the most personable and likeable blokes and full of energy, old Frank, isn't he? <laughs> he most certainly is. Uh, yeah, I'd known Frank for quite a while, and... Uh, I asked my wife, Diane, she was the one that said to me, um, Frank, if you ever get a, you know, a horse and you're looking to syndicate it, we'll mm-hmm. take a share. And yeah. this was the, he said, I've got a nice little colt there at the moment. Mm-hmm. And um, we took a share in it, and he he, he was a pretty smart horse. So I, as I said, um, I think it might have been the first year of the Chariots of Fire. Yeah. Uh, Frank sent him to... Glenn Frost or Vic Frost, mm. he said, I can't get this horse into a chariot of fire because one of those blokes might be able to. Mm. And um, he didn't get into it, but because there was a bit of an uproar, upcry about, um, you know, horses not getting selected, yeah. they put on a constellation mm. and he beat our Sir Vancelot yes. in that constellation. So that was a pretty handy effort. Yeah, well, our Sir Vancelot won three into Dominions. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, ACT did a tender not long after that. He mm. came back and won a few more races, but was probably never the same horse as what he was. No. In the mid-2000s, Frank O'Sullivan actually gave you a standard-bred broodmare called Mental, and you yep. sent her to a fairly successful stallion called Hare Hare, and you decided to race the resultant foal yourself, a cult. Now, you tell me he had the temperament you'd expect from a foal out of a mare called Mental. Yeah, well, Mental was Mental, um, and that's why Frank gave it to me. Um, mm. He just kept stepping out of the gear all the time. And, uh, so one day after the, 
the trial. He take this thing home and breathe with it. He said, uh, "It's mad, but she's it can pace." Yeah. Um, so uh, I knew a bloke that stood here, here near Canberra, mm. and uh, we sent uh, sent her out there, and um, yeah, and uh, the, the old uh, just plain crazy his name was. Well, that's right, because well, he was a nut too, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. I think he won or broke, <laughs> one or the other. Um, yeah, yeah. And oh, he was a terrible horse to break, step out of his gear. And Frank won five or six with him, and then mm. he sent him to Victoria, and they couldn't get him going. Yeah. And they sent him back, and I sent him to um, Chris Robinson. Yeah. And Chris, uh, I think Chris Moore won five with him. He won mm. at Menangle on a. On a Saturday there, where the big day was, yeah. and uh, then he started have problems with him um, breaking the step of his gear as well. So yeah. he didn't have a long career, but he did. He won quite a few races. He won eleven, Norm. Did he really? 11? Yeah, he there won eleven go. races. Those two horses in which you were involved, ACT and Just Plain Crazy, won twenty-three races between them. That's incredible. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's incredible. Long time ago. Yeah, yeah sure is. Well, I'm well, in the wrong game. I, I should have stuck to the paces. <laughs> You're doing a pretty good job with the thoroughbreds. It'd be hard to walk away from them. Yeah, that's right. Well, you and I are the parents of three daughters who, between them, have given you five grandchildren. What are the girls' names? Your Nicole, daughters? Yeah, Nicole, Michelle and Belinda right. are the three daughters. Right, and five grandkids. Do you see any potential horse trainers in the dynasty? Look, no. The, my grandson, Ben, showed tremendous interest, interest for um, a while, but he's sort of, now he's a teenager, I think the interest has waned a bit. He's got um, other things on his mind. Yes, of course he has. Is that the boy you were telling me um, had a photographic memory for form and pedigrees and statistics? He had a very scientific approach to racing, didn't he, as a, as right. a youngster? That's, yeah. that's right, yeah. We don't see as much of them anymore because they're older and when mm. we go around here, they're out, out and about. But, uh, yeah, he was really into it in the big time. Mm. Courtney Gravener was apprenticed to you in recent years. She wrote a good number of winners for the stable before being involved in a freak mounting yard accident. What happened? Yeah, it was at Maruya actually, and it was before the first race, and she just got dis- dislodged off the horse and popped her shoulder out. Um, anyway, I think they just put it back in, and she rode for the rest of the day. Mm. Um, but never really recovered, and... Um, She's still having problems with it to this day, so she's um, given the, the mm. riding away. Hung up the boots. Hung up the boots. I think a lot of people, when they get shoulder problems, say the same thing. But they never really come right. No. Your current apprentice is Rochelle Wedrat Crozen. That's had it. A, is that the pronunciation, Norm? Is that correct? That's it, John. You've done well. She's had only a handful of rides so far. I don't think she's ridden a winner yet. No. No. Mm-hmm. no, no, no. But she she's, tries hard. She's a good worker and she's keen. And she, she asks questions of all the other riders, so it'll take a bit of time, but she will. Uh, she'll get there. Mm. Reg Keen owns Miss Ostend and others in your stable. I think Reg is a retired stockbroker who part owned horses in the stable previously, but recently uh, decided to race in his own right. That's right, John. Yeah, he he'd been on a lot of horses with me over the years, taking shares right right back 
15, 20 years ago, small shares in horses. And then uh, I think now he's retired. He probably thought, well, I'll, I'll put a, invest a bit more into this. And he's bought some lovely fillies. Um, he seemed all he wants is fillies. Um, mm. He's got uh, Miss Ostend. He's got uh, another lovely Sebring filly. Mm. All bought from the Magic Millions. Uh, he bought one at Easter. Uh, so he's um, looking to... Um, I don't know whether he's looking to breed with them eventually. I'm not sure, but uh, he's, he's pretty keen on it anyway. Now, Norman, there is one other champion filly on your team who deserves a special mention and a special five-star rating, and I'm talking about your remarkable mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she's not, I think she's 95 now. Goodness and uh, loves the races, uh, loves the races, loves the rugby league. Uh, watches all the time. Uh, Diana rings her every day. The horses are racing and tell her what time they're on. So uh, she'll sit in front of the telly and she'll be there today watching Maria. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she, uh, she she loves it. Mm. And you gave her a special present recently, didn't you? Well, yeah, they can't, we, you know, like, like Di um, organised get Fox to connected to the house and, and uh, best thing we've ever done, you know, she because uh, she loves the sport and loves the racing. Mm. So uh, yeah, she's really, really happy with that. Mm. We haven't mentioned a name, Norm. Yvonne. 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 Yeah, that's it. Ninety-five. Yeah, Ninety-five, going strong. Uh, uh, I don't think she'll be around forever. I think um, the way she's going. <laughs> that's good, lovely, and it's a pleasure to be able to say hello to her. Well, you're happy to keep chipping away in your current environment. Obviously, no plans for boxes at Royal Randwick. No, no fear. No. Canberra's good. There's a, uh, I like training there. Great facilities. Um, really good bunch of trainers there. Uh, we all go on very well together. We'll help each other out. So mm. I, I wouldn't train anywhere else. No. How many trainers are there at Canberra? I think it's about 22, 23 um, from memory. Yeah, quite a few. Um, quite a few bigger stables. You know, Keith Dryden and, mm. and uh, Nick Olive and a few of those guys mm. with larger numbers. Mm. Um but, yeah, I think around that in the 20s. Mm. As I said in the intro, Norm, your name appears with frequency on the winner's list at all of the meetings down there on the southern districts. And I'd be confident in saying that your strike rate over the years has been pretty impressive. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't know what it was, John, to tell you the truth. No. Um, I don't know. I just tend to look forward a bit more, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't really tell you. You wouldn't swap it for quids? No, no. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Norm Gardner, it's been a delight catching up. Thank you for your time, and uh, may the winners keep flowing for your Thoroughbred Park stable at Canberra. Great to catch up on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Thanks very much, John. Thank you. Ticket sales got underway on Friday the 1st of July in the 2022 Kosciuszko Sweepstakes. Your opportunity to share in the $1.3 million prize money on offer for the world's richest race for country train gallopers. New South Wales residents can purchase $5 sweepstakes tickets via the TAB app, local pubs and clubs, TAB agencies and at New South Wales race meetings. 14 winning tickets will be drawn on the 8th of September with each winner then selecting a New South Wales country or ACT trained horse to race in their slot once they've agreed with the horse's owner group as to how they will share prize money for the race. 
Ticket sales will close at 11.59pm on Wednesday the 7th of September 2022. The much-anticipated The Kosciuszko Sweepstakes Draw will take place on Thursday the 8th of September and will be broadcast live on Sky Thoroughbred Central and RacingNewSouthWales.com.au.